1: All right. You've heard a little uh, of what I think about Zuckerberg's testimony earlier today. And we're going to talk about that more later in the show. Uh, I will tell you that I am concerned that perhaps while he was apologetic and sorry, there can't be any more breaches, as I just said with Melissa. Uh, The American people are very forgiving to people who say they're sorry and they're very forgiving to people who apologize. But they're not forgiving to people who make the same mistake over and over. So let's hope, my travel trust owns Facebook, this has got to be the last big breach or else it's not going to be as friendly as it was today. But you know what? There's a lot of other things that happened today besides Mark Zuckerberg. And we got to do an old-fashioned mad money take on today's market. And I have to tell you, even though we watched the hearings all day, they were fascinating. They were definitely fascinating. I know, I was... I, I was glued to it. But we now know what drives the stock market. It's not earnings. It's not the Fed off of a pretty hot inflation number this morning. It's not sector analysis or price-to-earnings ratios or presidential lawyers raided by the FBI or Zuckerberg's testimony. No, it's about China, specifically how well we get along with China. Last night, when President Xi spoke in favor of a more open market with lower tariffs on imported cars, better intellectual property protection, it was though he gave us a green light to roar higher. Hence why the Dow surged 429 points, the S&P climbed 1.67 percent, and the Nasdaq pole vaulted 2.07 percent today. Hey, Fang was back, too. Well, the market was strong all day. It picked up steam when our president tweeted, and I quote, very thankful for President Xi of China's kind words on tariffs and automobile barriers. Also, his enlightenment on intellectual property and technology transfers. We will make great progress together, end quote. There you go, second leg of the rally. How did we get to this point? How did a rational speech from the Chinese president, who hasn't exactly been Mr. Free Trade, frankly, and a tweet from Trump, a guy who's often been outright antagonistic to China, despite always claiming to be great friends with their leader, combined to create such a combustibly positive tape. Simple. Nostalgia. Nostalgia for the halcyon days of 2017, when President Trump was on the higher stock price team, when he cared more about the S&P 500 than he did about the steel and aluminum industries. Now, in reality, Trump campaigned on taking a tougher line with China on trade. The idea they don't play fair and we need to teach them a lesson was the core of his campaign. He just put off doing anything about it until after he got the tax cuts passed. And I don't think by any means that Trump is done with the Chinese. The People's Republic has a tendency to promise one thing before doing the opposite or finding some ways to circumvent their obligations. Still, investors hate the idea of a trade war. So the fact that we seem to have reached some kind of truce allow buyers to go right back to what they were doing before the president rolled out his steel and aluminum tariffs. And that's how the stocks of Boeing and Caterpillar could lead the Dow today, rallying 3.8 and 3.5 percent respectively. You know what? These two have become the, they've really become the piñatas of world trade. The companies that are perceived to have the most to lose from a closed door policy by China because they've done so well in the PRC. Now, I've defended both companies, you know that, as decent investments away from China, too, not just China. Demand for planes is so great that even if China were to switch all of its business to Airbus, not to throw a lot of Airbus planes around, it might not hurt Boeing's earnings per share for the next half dozen years. If China put a big tariff on Caterpillar's machines, it might be able to make up that business elsewhere. Still, anyone who says China doesn't matter to these manufacturers has clearly lost his mind. China is a cornucopia of business for these companies, so eventually numbers would have to go down. And take the stocks with them. Now, it wasn't just Cat and Boeing, Them, We had been worried that China might want to put a tariff on Apple iPhones, something that even as recently as Sunday night seemed like a possibility. Remember that? Remember how the market was, looked like it was going to be down and then took off? Now, it sure doesn't seem like it's possible uh, after the peace breaking out between the two presidents. And so therefore, Apple rallied a quick three bucks. Now it's only 10 points from its high. Intel's got plenty of Asian exposure. It folded 3.4 percent, another green light because of Xi's olive branch. Many of the resource plays after languishing for a bit took off today, with the stock of Alcoa and Freeport, the winners, zooming 6.8 percent and 4.42 percent respectively. It was almost a happy days or here again celebration. And I feel that perhaps those who listened to the president's chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, when he came on walk in the street yesterday and told you he was optimistic about the talks with China, he got it right. He made your money. Of course, today wasn't all about China. In the afternoon, it was all about Facebook, specifically what we just talked about, Mark Zuckerberg's testimony on Capitol Hill, where Senator after Senator tried to pin him down in five-minute intervals. Boy, you can really get a lot done in five minutes, can't you? Uh, it, it tried to get it, it, kind of wanted to know uh, what he intended to do Uh, It's not even easy to explain, frankly. To make Facebook's users feel more in control of their data, I struggled over this wording for the last three hours. Now, I'm using that touchy-feely language because it wasn't like they hard-feathered or pilloried the guy on the way to a consensus that Facebook can't run ads anymore, or or they have to pay us to look at them. If anything, it was the opposite. That's why Facebook's stock was one of the best performers today, rallying 4.5% and then rallying further in the aftermarket, as investors realized that perhaps CEO Mark Zuckerberg wasn't going to lose patience and blow up, as so many thought he would. Can you believe all it took for this stock to rally 7 bucks was that for Mark to answer questions in a coherent, respectful way? Talk about a low bar. Imagine how much Facebook would have rallied if he could do a reasonable impersonation of a human being. Again, we had the same 2017 takeaway as Facebook moves up, so does the rest of Fang. Amazon soared 30 points. Now, that was perhaps aided by a tweet-free day from the real Donald Trump. Maybe it takes respectful words from President Xi and the FBI assault on presidential lawyer Michael Cohen to to take the president's mind off of Amazon. Or, Or maybe, do you know that uh, uh, We had had things that were brought to our house from Amazon Prime, and they were stolen today. Do you think that's what happened with him? Could that be it? In front of the White House? Anyway, a whole bunch of brokers raised price targets for Netflix as, we, as they postulated that next week the online entertainment company could crush the numbers, particularly with international customers. And in a sign of how linked Fang really is, Alphabet jumped 16 points, or 1.6%, even as Morgan Stanley questioned whether expenses were too high, suggesting that once again the artist formerly known as Google would miss its numbers. Aren't we getting tired of that? The other great performers of note, Remember I anointed those cloud kings the other day? Uh, they, they've got more business they can handle. So Salesforce vaults 2 percent, Workday 2.6, Red Hat 3.5, Adobe up 2.5 percent, ServiceNow 2.27 percent, and the star of the show, Splunk, up 3.86 percent. These stocks have truly come on as the replacements for Fang, a- and they would yield, yield leadership that easily. Kind of interesting. So what happens now? As long as the two presidents make nice, I think we could have a couple days of peace until we get to earning season, which starts on Friday with the banks. But peace is a price. We need the president to hold back on firing a whole bunch of people, like the attorney general, the special prosecutor, the head of the FBI maybe, or, or else we're back in the Washington red-hot griddle with our portfolios, just like Z-Man was in the Senate and will be in the House tomorrow. Here's the bottom line. When we look at the world and the stock market, we have to recognize that what matters right now is that the president of China, and the President of the United States get along, and there will be no war, trade or otherwise. The idea that we uh, could have earnings cut by the government, cut by government fiat, is something that no one expected from Trump a few months ago. And today we got a sense that maybe we're back to the joyful days of 2017, when you just bought stocks and watched them go higher. Is that really the way it's gonna be? Nah. We'll soon be worried about interest rates, Fed tightening, inflation, earnings shortfall. But for the moment, this economic piece in our time shows you how much pent-up demand there is for these stocks. While investors watched Mark Zuckerberg, they bought pretty much everything, including the stock of the company he invented in his Harvard dorm room. Ah, that was when Cambridge meant Cambridge Mass, not Cambridge Analytica. Halcyon days, indeed. Let's go to Alex in California, please, Alex. Booyah, Dr. Kramer. I always love a stuttering booyah, even after Mark Zuckerberg spends about seven hours testifying. What's shaking? Jim, I'm so glad you answered my call because I'm lost and I need your help. Well, I'm certainly a doctor. Is, my, my question is about Apple's announcement in December of investing $390 million in Finizar's 3D sensing chips. Since that announcement, Finizar has caught three downgrades from analysts. The stock is down 35 percent and currently trading at book value. Jim, is this a simple case of big-boy market makers keeping the stock price down? Nah, you know, Finisar, look, look, Finisar's doing a lot of things right. But you know what? I mean, what we're seeing is uh, a lot of the components, optical components, aren't doing that well. Sienna's not doing that well either. You know what my suggestion is? If Apple puts a big order in with Finisar, buy Apple. Up next... More of my take on Facebook. There can't be any more Cambridge Analytica or so that stock's going to go back down. And it's scandal-laden cohort, including a car company that we don't talk that much about on the show. Stay with Quentin. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow
0: at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
1: with a former market darling. Turn train wreck. Last month we had not one, not two, but three household name tech stocks rocked by scandals. Talking about Facebook, Tesla, and Amazon. I was going to do Facebook, Amazon, and Tesla and call it fat, but you know, I came up with Fang. Why bother to go back to that, Will? With all three names rebounding nicely today, along with the rest of the market, with Facebook stock soaring off a calm, collected Zuckerberg in front of the Senate. I don't know, I can't. How did he do that? He just sat like that all day. Really amazing. I think we need to conduct a damage assessment. Now, remember, Zook's back on the hot seat tomorrow, but you got to ask, can these three titans keep bouncing, or should you be afraid that they're going to get clobbered all over again when the era of good feelings passes? In case you've been living on a deserted island for the last month, Facebook had the Cambridge Analytica data harvesting blob, where a political consultant took data from millions of users without the permission in order to build voter profiles for targeted election advertising. Since then, thanks in part to management's what I, let's see, I searched for it. How about moronic initial response? The whole thing is snowballed, raising serious questions about Facebook's business practices to the point where CEO Mark Zuckerberg was grilled by the Senate earlier today. You don't ever want to be there. Someone may say he did a great job. Hey, memo, you never want to be in front of the Senate. That's why the stock's down 11% from where it was trading before the news broke in mid-March. It's been a loser. Channel Trust owns it. I can say that. A week later, Tesla came under fire uh, after a Tesla Model X driver died when his car crashed in a, hot, in a highway divider in Mountain View, California. The poor guy had Tesla's autopilot feature engaged at the time of the accident. Suddenly we weren't just concerned about the autopilot. People started worrying about Tesla's financial position, its ability to meet its production targets, and its need for capital. Normally Elon Musk is the Teflon CEO, but his stock has come down four percent since the autopilot accident, and it was a lot lower before the run over the past week. Even here, Tesla's off more than 15% from its January highs. As for Amazon, the story's simple. They got on the wrong side of President Trump. Two weeks ago, Axios ran a story titled, and I quote, Trump hates Amazon, not Facebook whatever, Um, which detailed the commander-in-chief's antipathy for the world's top retailer. Since then, Trump has actually lashed out at Amazon several times in his tweets. He's mad about their policies in collecting sales tax and their contract with the Postal Service and the way the company devastates brick-and-mortar retail. Mainly, though, he hates the Washington Post, which is owned by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. The stock is roughly uh, 4% down since he started coming under fire from the White House and and, uh, down 11% from its highs earlier in the year. I told you these are really not that great. I mean, there's so many stocks doing well at this point. So let's take them one by one, saving Facebook for last. We'll start with Amazon because it's the most clear cut. Even though the company's facing intense criticism from the leader of the free world, I think the stock's a buy plain and simple, and I intend to reiterate that tomorrow for uh, those who belong to the Club of Action Alerts. First, with all due respect, something that Larry Kudlow taught me to say, with all due respect, the president should fire who's ever been telling him this stuff about Amazon. Because they're obviously not as well-informed as they should be. Does Amazon pay sales tax? Yes, they started collecting state and local sales tax years ago. Does Amazon take advantage of the postal office? A service? No, the Postal Service turns a profit on their packages. In fact, the packages may be the only area where they're not hemorrhaging money. You raise prices for Amazon? I don't know. The president may des- despise Jeff Bezos. He may hate the Bezos-owned Washington Post with a fire of a thousand suns. But at the end of the day, it's hard to see how this will impact Amazon's earnings. I've been thinking about this. I came up with something. The president is not a king. If the post office tries to play hardball, Amazon will just take its lucrative business to FedEx or UPS or maybe Kramer-Fave Logistics. Where Trump could hurt them is with government contracts. Now, for example, Amazon Web Services, AWS to the cognoscenti is trying to win a $10 billion cloud contract from the Department of Defense. Uh, being out of favor with the Commander-in-Chief may hurt the prospects. But honestly, Amazon the, the, has the best technology, and the Defense Department is very professional. I think they'll make the decision on the merits which includes some specifications only Amazon can meet. More important, most of Amazon's competitors don't have the security clearance necessary to win this kind of business. What's the president to do? Remember, not a king. Long story short, the punishment of Amazon stock doesn't fit the non-existent crime. Uh, this is not a real scandal. I think it's a buy into any additional weakness. How about Tesla? Now, the recent woes began on March 23rd with that fatal autopilot accident. First responders had a very hard time putting out the fire. The highway was shut down for five hours because when Tesla's batteries ignite, they turn into a blazing inferno. Now, there are questions about the battery technology. There are questions about whether the autopilot system caused the crash, especially since it came right on the heels of Uber's self-driving car fatality. The whole incident seems to strip Elon Musk of his usual Teflon status. A few days later, Moody's downgraded Tesla's credit rating. Then on March 29, Tesla announced a voluntary recall. They're pulling 123,000 Model S sedans because of a potential power steering issue. That's a stunning figure, given that Tesla's only sold about 200,000 cars in its entire existence. Elon Musk's response? Clever guy. On April Fool's Day, he sends out a joking tweet. Tesla goes bankrupt. Uh, investors were not amused, Stocks sold off another five percent. Now the stock bounced back with a vengeance last week, gaining fifty dollars from the close on Monday to the close on Friday, thanks to some better than fear production guidance and a reassurance that Tesla won't need to raise capital. However, it's big however, the Bears argue that this rebound was all about short covering, not honest to Betsy real buying. Where do I come down? Short term, if Tesla ends up needing to raise capital, and Goldman Sachs says they will, even as Musk says otherwise then you'll get slammed if you own this thing now long-term, my friend Jim Stewart just published an incredibly positive review of the Model 3 in the New York Times. The stock ran up huge today with the Chinese president talking about lowering tariffs on American cars. Big win for Tesla. Nevertheless, I think it's too risky to bet on at the moment. And I'm always torn on this one. I mean, do I think the financials make any sense? No. But do I love the car? Yes. And a lot of times, if you love the car, you buy the stock. And I can't prevent people from doing something like that. Finally, how about Facebook? Did you see them? You know, they had a hearing today. (laughs) The data handling scandal has painted a target on Facebook's back, which is why Mark Zuckerberg spent this afternoon getting raked over the coals by the Senate. Hey, tomorrow will be the House, right over the Kingsfords. The question here is how much of any of this will actually impact the numbers? Because at the end of the day, like Ralphie and The Sopranos, Facebook's a good earner. At these levels, the company sells for 22 times earnings, despite having a 26 percent long term growth rate. We know a few advertisers have put a moratorium on the Facebook advertising. But according to Mark Zuckerberg, there hasn't been any meaningful change in user behavior, although expenses are going to go up because of all this problems. But if lawmakers decide to apply new regulations to Facebook's business, like, say, banning the sale of personal data, well well, you know, banning what I would regard as being the way that they use the personal data to help the advertiser. I think that's the best way to put it. Well, then it it could hurt the numbers. Now, I think Zuckerberg really did handle himself quite well in front of the Senate. You know why? Because he showed humility. He apologized. He said he was sorry. And then after he said he was sorry, he apologized. And then sure enough, after he apologized, he said he's sorry. That's what you do in front of the Senate. He may not have passed the Turing test, but he's got another chance to come across as human when he addresses the House of Representatives tomorrow. Look, I like that Facebook told us it's setting up a... You know, I wanted... They're doing an independent audit, but I want someone from the outside to come in. I think the stock is probably a bargain, but you can't buy this if you're... uh, Let's say, unless you're prepared for the fallout if the company disappoints when its earnings are reported in a couple of weeks or something bad happens, like another Cambridge Analytica, and you can't handle the scrutiny that Zook's getting. Not to mention the possibility that the government chooses to regulate the opt-in, opt-out requirements. By the way... That's the, that's the real crux of the situation. That's what you have to be following. The bottom line, looking at these three damaged tech titans, Amazon is obviously in the best shape, right? Just has an antagonist at the White House. Tesla, too risky for this guy. As for Facebook, look, my charitable trust owns it, okay? It's owned it forever. You got my permission to speculate on, but please be careful. There's a real chance Congress could take action to force the company to be more upfront about the way it takes your data and routinely sell routinely, let's say, matches it with advertisers. And I say that because, believe me, if there's another big breach, well, it's not gonna be enough for Zuckerberg just to say that's the business model. Stick with Kramer. we fretting about FBI raids on presidential lawyers or the latest chatter out of China or Mark Zuckerberg's endless Senate testimony. Let's not forget what the stock market is really about. It's about companies. You know, those pesky little things we trade pieces of every single day. Remember those? I think they're fun. In the end, despite all the big picture sound and fury, my job is not to talk about foreign policy. I'm not a political commentator. I abhor politics. You're not supposed to ever talk about it. That's what I learned from my mom. And I wish I could get away with ignoring Washington altogether. No, this business is all about trying to divine which companies are doing better than we think so that we can pick the stocks that have the most potential to outperform the rest of the market and throw away the others. Long term, that's always going to be more useful in speculating about what's happening at the White House. Every morning, I focus on Wall Street research just to get a handle on what might happen. Now, this research is far from fa- uh, infallible. I mean, just today, I saw an admission from a very honest Goldman Sachs analyst saying she's been wrong, very wrong, in having a sell on proof point. That's the best email-focused cybersecurity play. Her sell call was a bet that prices for email security had to drop on a per-person basis. Instead, they went higher, dramatically higher, as email attacks continue to be relentless. FoodPoint CEO Gary Steele, you know him. He's been on a bunch of times. He's done such a great job executing that she felt compelled to upgrade the stock from sell to hold. Good for her. You know what? I've been thinking about this. Too many analysts dig in their heels when they get something wrong rather than just admitting they make a mistake. People make mistakes, I make mistakes, she made a mistake. What else did I look at this morning? Nvidia caught a critical hold to buy upgrade from Morgan Stanley, which argued the fears of a stunning decline in Nvidia's aided cryptocurrency mining are already now baked into the stock. That's important, as those crypto worries sent NVIDIA plummeting from $254 last month down to $213 yesterday. This stock had been trading as though it's joined at the hip with volatile cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and not linked at all with its actual core businesses, chips for data centers, machine learning, autonomous driving, and gaming, all of which are in steroidal growth mode. That's what CEO Jensen Wong told us when he came on the show a couple weeks ago. And I believed him. I guess Morgan Stanley agrees, and the upgrade boosted the stock nearly 6%. While we're at it, Morgan Stanley also upgraded a very forlorn Seagate, claiming the disk drive maker, far from being in permanent decline, is actually doing quite well. A champion for a stock desperately in need of one. In response, Seagate rallied 5% today. Next week, Netflix reports and we've already seen a bunch of analysts raise their price targets in anticipation of better than expected international growth, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Of course, once they raise the bar, it becomes harder for Netflix to beat the numbers, but I can't really complain, as this bang stock is up a total, is just a total horse, it's the best of the group, up another 3% today. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that Ulta Beauty was ready to bottom. Today, we got some confirmation of that thesis when Piper Jaffray published a survey of teens who love the chain more than ever. Hey, pref- preferred to Sephora, Ulta Vaults 4.2%. On top of that, one of the mangiest dogs in the Dow, ExxonMobil. Oh, just to say it makes me feel like it should go down. They caught an upgrade. Merrill Lynch, the thesis Exxon trades like an oil, uh, trades like an oil when oil was much lower. So it deserves to go higher. So in other words, if you take a look at where uh, oil prices were when Exxon was at this level before, they were dramatically lower. Exxon's strength can lift a ton of other stocks in the big oil patch. Big shoulders in that one, especially when it rallies almost 3%. That's a big move for Exxon. After the upgrades and downgrades, I need to process the chatter, including a fantastic piece from Stiefel talking about how Nike just acquired an Israeli startup to do 3D body scanning. Nike is incredibly committed to winning customers by creating a more personalized style. Mark Parker, CEO, always stresses that, and the ability to scan your feet instantly can give them a major leg up here. I need these. I have a 10.5 left foot and a right and a 9.5 right foot. I got to buy two two pairs of Nikes. If I could like use the three. Anyway, it's probably too much information. For all of this Chinese exposure, Nike's been one of the best performers in the Dow, even as it actually ended up going lower today. Finally, there's PayPal. Remember PayPal? Here's a company that's been battered by competition from Amazon, or just like kind of faux competitions because they don't have any in the market yet. It's been laid low by talk of losing its eBay business. But KeyBank tells us that PayPal's Venmo social payment service is more beloved by the younger generation than ever. So the stock rallies 2%. There, no Michael Cohen. No China battles, no Amazon tweets, no Federal Reserve, and a Zuckerberg-free zone. Just companies doing their thing, making money for themselves and for you, the shareholders. Amen, and stick with Kramer. On a stunning day for the average, where well, we've got a reprieve from China, stock surge higher. You know what else caught fire? Oil! I've been telling you, Peter, that we need to be more cautious on the fossil fuels in general, as there's a whole new generation of money managers who use all these companies as kind of the moral equivalent of tobacco. But there's no denying that crude oil is doing very well here as the Middle East heats up. For example, the Dow Industrials are still down nearly 8% from their highs in January, whereas the price of oil is down less than 5 and its, it's recent peak, and now it moved up nicely, today gaining 3.3%. Now, when oil gets its groove back, the pin action also extends to other parts of the market. MARKET. That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Bob Lang, the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being the brilliant technician the three-man all-star team behind the Street.com's trifecta stocks newsletter. We're going to get a better read on the energy names that are actually working here. Now, you might think that with crude on the rise to the mid-'60s, the big integrated oils would be in hog heaven, but that's not quite true. Well, Exxon and Chevron had some amazing moves today. Chevron, in particular, Stephanie Link, good call yesterday. They've been lagging the commodities for ages. Makes sense. They have plenty of natural gas exposure, too, and gas remains in the doghouse. When you look the next tier down, though, in terms of size, there's some real nice Kramer winners here. Anadarko as well as ConocoPhillips. Both stocks have rallied more than 10% for 2018. They compare that to tech. What else works when the price of crude starts getting elevated? Renewables. When oil's expensive, there's a lot more demand for alternative energy sources, hence why the solar stocks broke down when oil collapsed in 2014, and why they've been making a monster comeback of late, also aided by the president's tariffs on Chinese solar panels. So let's start with the oils themselves. Take a look at this. Come on over here. This is the Daily Chart of Anadarko, okay? This is one of the best-performing large-cap oil names, and Lang likes the pattern it's been making. Stocks give me a series of higher highs, right? Higher lows. you got to love that, huh? Since it bought... In February. Just as important, Anadarko has strong volume trends, meaning when the stock goes up, it tends to do on higher volume. That's how you measure that. Don't forget, for technicians, volumes like a polygraph let you know when a move is telling the truth. To Lang, this is a clue that big institutional money managers are buying Anadarko here, always a positive sign. Last but not least, let's check out this moving average convergence divergence, all right? This is very important. It's a momentum indicator, helps charters predict changes in stocks trajectory before they happen. In Lang's view, the MACD is about to make a bull. Bullish crossover. OK, so you take a look at this. you got to see boom, boom, boom. See, it's going to have a crossover there. Uh, uh, where the black line goes uh, above the red one, which tends to be pretty consistently bullish. If that happens, he thinks Anadarko can break out above its ceiling at 63, run all the way to 70 area before it has much resistance. I agree with him as Anadarko has great fundamentals and a production mix that skews heavily toward oil, not that gas, which isn't really a commodity that we have way too much of. What about Lang's other favorite? COP, Conoco Films. Check out the daily chart here. Conoco recently made a classic W-shaped bottom. There you go, right? Not hard to see. Stock made a low in February, uh, It then successfully re- uh, tested that low in March. Okay, you can see this tested, tested low. Uh, and right around the time of the retest, Lange points out that the MACD indicator flashed a buy signal. And then we go down here for the MACD. There's that crossover that I told you about. The stock's caught fire. What else? The check in money flow, CMF oscillator. We like to look at that. What happened here? It measures the level of buying and selling pressure in stock until it also turned positive a couple of weeks ago. That's a classic in- sign of institutional buying. Lange notes that Conoco's volume trends have turned positive. Uh, more volume on up days than down days. After the stock's stunning move over uh, the past couple Weeks, he says it may stall for a bit. However, after a bit of sideways action or a modest pullback, Lang expects good to start going higher again. 62, right to the 70s. Personally, I prefer Anitarco. Now, historically, when oil gets stronger, that's been a good for uh, sign for the renewable energy stocks. There are a couple of renewable charts that Lang likes here. First, solar held up nicely in the dark days of March, and Solar Edge actually made a new all-time high last week when so many other stocks would be pummeled. So feast your eyes on the daily chart of one of my old faves, First Solar. After a very strong move in March, this stock has been consolidated. However, Lang points out that the recent sideways action, boom, 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 uh, took place on low volume. You always check volume down here, see, declining, uh, which implies that the big institutional money managers are sticking around. The fact that First Solar put up this kind of trajectory during a difficult month makes it stand out to the chartist like Lang. Stock is currently in a wedge pattern, all right, but eventually it's going to either break out to the upside or the, da- or the downside. After First Solar spends some more time trading sideways, Lion expects us to rally past the ceiling of resistance. Okay? The stocks currently at $70. He should go in the 80s before too long. This is Lang's favorite name in the space, but it's run up a lot more than doubling. I say, hey, come on, be a little cautious. Finally, there's the daily chart of solar edge technologies, one of his faves. Don't even know it myself. Stock has doubled in the last seven months. Well, that's nice. The latest leg of this move started in February when the company reported a blowout quarter, thanks in part to those Chinese solar tariffs. Then Solar Edge ran up even further in March. In recent weeks, it's been consolidating. There's the consolidation pattern. But just like with first solar, Lang points out that the sideways actions come on relatively low volume. We check it volume right there, okay? There's not a lot of volume to that move. Uh, again, that means the big money is not yet ready to ring the register. When you look at the check in money flow, that's our CMF, you can see experienced a monster surge in money flow in late February and March. And while that surge is clearly abated, that's that decline there. This indicator is still in positive territory. Another good sign. Line notes that Edge is ahead of all the relevant moving averages here. Not many stocks you can say that about in this market. In Solar Edge may need to take a bit of a breather, but for the moment, he thinks it's likely just digesting its gains before resuming its long march higher. Bottom line, the charts as interpreted by Bob Lang suggest that some of the better performing oils and solar stocks could have more room to run. Anadarko, Conoco Films, First Solar, and Solar Edge all managed to put uh, to at least partially defy the gravitational pull of the averages. Lang's betting these winners will keep on winning. I think he makes a compelling argument, although I'd be more selective. I say stick with long term Kramer phase Anadarko and old friend First Solar. Up next, the lightning round, and then a Facebook update. So stick with me. It is time. for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? It's time for the lightning round. Let's start with Jeff in Virginia. Jeff! Hi Jim, it's been a few weeks since you discussed paychecks, and I was curious how you feel about it. Oh, more than ever. I think the thing was just it was a good quarter. The company's conservative. I think it's a. Buy, 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 buy. There you go. Okay, let's go to Clyde in California. Clyde. Booya. Booyah. I'm calling about Triple M. To what do you attribute the recent unusual weakness in the stock on the company on down gave to- an analyst conference. At the analyst conference, they indicated the month of March may not be as strong as people thought, and that was really pretty much all she wrote. Let's go to OB in Illinois. OB. Hi, Jim. Uh, Is uh, Fitbit currently undervalued? No. Let's go to Nate in Washington. Nate. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, I recently said a word for a company and they offer a 5% discount on their stock. I was wondering if I had your permission to take a small position in granite construction. No, you don't. I'd rather see you anyway in uh, in Martin Marietta materials. I think that GBA is just okay. Hey, you know what? Let's go to Callum in Massachusetts. Callum. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jim. Thank you. Uh, extra logistics I've had in my portfolio. It's been doing well. Uh, I feel like the best times are behind me. Tell her No, no, no. My travel trust told me keep, keep, keep hoping that it's going to go down. Brad Jacobs is the man. It will down. It's the last mile. It's everything in that, ladies and gentlemen. This is the conclusion of the. Lightning round! Okay. While well, we've been over here focusing on a stunning day in the markets, and it was, by the way, a glorious one, the intrepid Julia Borstin's been sitting in that Mark Zuckerberg Marathon testimony. So, Julia, what's the latest from Capitol Hill?
0: Well, Jim, Mark Zuckerberg has been testifying for four hours. And in a testy exchange with Senator Kennedy, he just stressed that Facebook's users and not the company control that user data. Multiple senators also raised the question of regulation, asking Zuckerberg how he believes Facebook and the whole industry should be regulated.
1: I'm not the type of person who thinks that all regulation is bad. So I think the Internet is becoming increasingly important in people's lives. And I think we need to have a full conversation about what is the right regulation, not whether it should be or shouldn't be.
0: Zuckerberg dismissed the idea that Facebook is a monopoly on social media, saying that the average American actually uses eight different apps to communicate. He also said just moments ago that there's no indication that people have stopped using Facebook in the wake of this data scandal. Now, throughout the hearing, Zuckerberg has been very apologetic. He's taken responsibility, saying that Facebook did not do enough to protect users and their data. And he's outlined a number of ways in which Facebook is trying to change that and implement policies to make Facebook safer and protect against things like election interference. Back over to you.
1: All right, thank you so much for that update. Another day tomorrow in the house, a lot of hot seat. I've got to tell you, I thought that he did quite well for what it's worth, but you know what? In the end, he apologized, he showed humility, he was sorry, and that's pretty much the way it is in America. If you can do that, if you show humility, even if someone thinks that you did the wrong thing in this kind of situation, I think you're fine. What would I do with the stock, most important, because that's why you come on the show? It's very simple. They cannot have another mistake. They simply cannot have another mistake. If they do, then what's going to happen is the Senate, is not going to be five-minute intervals. It's going to be in front of the FTC. They're going to write exactly what has to be done, and it's going to involve you opting out or going in and make it really hard for them to make the kind of money that they used to make. And I'm not clear that they still can, even though my charitable trust owns it. The price earnings multiple is way too low. I get a feeling that usually means that the earnings per share are going to have to come down and come down big. So get ready for some number cuts because that's what's ahead. Like I said, there's always a bull market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. Take your business further
0: with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.